Welcome to Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. Each week, we check in with David Grising, President and CEO of the BGA, to get the latest on what's happening in state government, how it's impacting you. And David, I'm old enough to remember when March was a pretty slow time on the state government beat. Very little happened during the month of March. A couple of years ago, we had a pandemic that shut everything down. This year, things are opening up, but there's still an awful lot going on. Uh, So let's get right into it. Since we last talked, in fact, just later uh, that same day on Wednesday, uh, word came down of the uh, long-awaited but still, I think to a degree for some folks, surprising indictment of former Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan. A lot of folks thought he'd never be taken down, but the feds think they've got him. Well, indeed, and today we will see a uh, a Madigan arraignment hearing, although not with the usual uh, perp walk aspect. Uh, it'll be done virtually before U.S. Uh, Magistrate Judge Jeffrey Cole uh, at the Dirksen Federal Courthouse building. But it will presumably Mike Madigan will be remote, and this will be handled via Zoom. And so that that kind of ritual of justice of seeing this accused person walk through a phalanx of reporters, et cetera, uh, won't happen. Nevertheless, the charges against him appear to be quite serious. Madigan claims he did nothing wrong through his attorneys, uh, but the the indictment that has come down um, lay out what is called the Madigan Enterprise by the feds, which basically say a lot of what went on in, in the speaker's office uh, was done with corrupt intent and uh, with an effort to use his political office for his personal personal benefit and the benefit of many of his political cronies. It's very telling that in his own defense, the former speaker says, what, this is just how things get done. I'd go out and uh, ask uh, people to help uh, friends and supporters get jobs. We do that all the time. We've done it forever. Of course, the allegation here is that the jobs were uh, handed out in exchange for favorable consideration on legislation uh, and that in turn, the control of legislation was used to leverage benefits, uh, not just for Madigan's cronies and allies and supporters, but for the speaker himself, for his political operations, that it was all intertwined and that pretty much uh, everything Madigan did with the uh, iron-fisted control he had over the legislative process uh, was done for his personal and political enrichment. Absolutely. And a number that jumps out of the indictment is the $2.85 million uh, in benefits he is uh, alleged to have received. Uh, We're not talking chump change here. Um, A lot of that has to do with his uh, law office, Madigan and Getzendanner, uh, which is a real estate uh, law firm. And one of the key allegations have to do with a project in Chinatown uh, in which an all Chicago alderman, Juan Solis, was wearing a wire and had some recordings of Mike Madigan. In fact, uh, uh, the, the term quid pro quo came up, and uh, Madigan is heard saying, uh, allegedly, uh, you know, we really shouldn't use that term. Let's talk about it in this way or that way, et cetera. And uh, that plus some of the other uh, kind of vague language he uses, the feds plan to use to say Madigan knew he was doing something wrong. That's why he was using this coded language. That's going to be a difficult aspect to prove because going back to what you said, Jim, uh, Madigan will be claiming that a lot of this is just plain old political influence and uh, serving your constituents and um 
doing the best you can in, in your elected position. Uh, it'll be a, a battle royal when it finally makes it, if it does finally make its way to court. The fact that uh, the, the prosecutors can look at this set of facts and view it one way, Madigan can uh, claim that it is a completely different thing, certainly should serve as a wake-up call to uh, current lawmakers, to uh, Madigan's successors and wielding the levers of power, that we need to uh, to clean up some of these gray areas. We need to take uh, any of the uh, the vagueness uh, out of the law and make sure there are clear lines of delineation between what is appropriate and proper conduct and what crosses that line. David, is there any sense that lawmakers are, are taking that lesson to heart and will, in fact, uh, try to um, clear up some of the, the gray areas in our laws and, uh, and uh, offer some very clear direction to lawmakers on what it is and is not acceptable? Well, so far in this spring session, there is no plan to make any uh, renewal of efforts to reform ethics in the state of Illinois. The House Speaker Chris Welch has made clear he plans a very streamlined legislative agenda that will be focused on the budget, on some criminal justice reform, and some more work related to COVID relief and uh, federal uh, spending uh, funds. And uh, yet yeah, this news has come out since he stated that. Uh, so far, there's been no definitive uh, statement of intent to do more, uh, but it's clear some of what needs to be done. There's still, uh, despite the weak ethics reform that was passed last year, there's a ton of work to, that needs to be done. Even Governor Pritzker, who stood on the sidelines while that work was under, undergone last year, said after the Madigan indictment that uh, there's still work to be done on ethics. Um, for example, there are these there's financial conflicts of interest that we see with the Madigan and Getzendanner law firm and others. There's still lobbying reform that needs to be done, uh, term limits on legislative leadership, um, and, of course, the legislative inspector general's office that was so weakly reformed last time that Carol Pope, the then LIG, uh, stepped down, calling that a paper tiger, that office. So those are a few of the bullet points that we at the BGA would point to as what still needs to be done. We don't expect it this spring. We're hoping maybe between now and the and the fall legislative session, the veto session in the fall, uh, that, that some momentum builds toward uh, addressing these issues. Well, there are uh, legal and governmental ramifications to the Madigan indictment from one week ago. There are also huge political ramifications coming as it does during an election year. Republicans are already uh, working to uh, ensure that in the minds of voters, uh, Mike Madigan and Governor J. Pritzker are joined at the hip, even though Pritzker was only governor for two of Madigan's nearly 40 years as speaker. Uh, but there is no doubt that uh, Madigan now becomes an albatross around the necks of every Democrat in the state. So there's a little bit of damage control going on right now. And part of this stems from a recent BGA investigation of the state's infrastructure spending and how uh, tens of millions of dollars of that were uh, linked to projects that were pushed and sought by Madigan before before he uh, before he left office and david there's been some big moves on that in the last 24 hours Yes, absolutely. Governor Pritzker has come out and said that he's putting a hold on these projects that we drew attention to some weeks ago uh, when we published a story uh, pointing at four projects, which uh, with a total value of about $144 million that Madigan was able to add to the Rebuild Illinois program. Uh, altogether, uh, leaders in government in the state were allowed to earmark about $4 billion in pork barrel projects. Uh, uh, we just were focused in this story on the Madigan ones. And those now have been put on hold while the state reassesses 
whether to move forward. Uh, it doesn't mean that the funding is going to be pulled uh, altogether. It means that there's going to be a reassessment. Some of these projects have already begun. The one that we really pointed out as as really problematic was one in Bedford Park, a noise abatement project uh, in a rail yard that bothered hotel guests at the a hotel run by uh, Madigan donors, the Weglarts brothers, uh, John and Mark. And uh, that was an example of uh, somebody who's close to Madigan, contributors to or clients of Madigan's law firm, uh, seemingly got special treatment uh, at the hands of the uh, of the Speaker of the House. Uh, it is, uh, again, another example of the importance of the kind of uh, watchdog reporting that the BGA does. And uh, you can read more about that at the Better Government Association website. You'll also find a very interesting article there we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, another example, again, of how Mike Madigan's influence, uh, the ripples of it, continue to have impacts, uh, even though he's been gone from power for well over a year and is now under indictment. We'll talk about that when we continue here in just a moment moment on full disclosure with david greising president and ceo of the better government association we're turning now to full disclosure every wednesday morning here on the wmay morning newsfeed although we will be taking next wednesday off as both david greising and i will have the uh, the day off but the return here in two weeks in the meantime check out the better government association website bettergov.org a fascinating article there about a former illinois lawmaker who became the embattled head of the illinois department of veterans affairs and now is mired in new problems related to her use of campaign funds, uh, but uh, she is deploying what may become a uh, convenient excuse for some folks in the uh, uh, in the future, David. Uh, Madigan. It's Madigan's fault, uh, and that is uh, the, the story that Linda Chapelavia is using. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The former head of the state's Veterans Affairs Office who used who repaid used her political campaign fund uh, to write two checks totaling fifty thousand dollars to her mother, and said that that money was actually a loan that was given some years ago when she was starting uh, her political work. And uh, and yeah, it was all Mike Madigan's fault because he ran her campaign, and that's a decision that he made. And so um, she she is returning that uh, repaying that money, um, but it does show, as you said, Jim, that uh, there will be a lot of Madigan made me do it. Uh, possibly uh, in our in our lives going forward. Yeah, we definitely know that he uh, exerted a lot of control over his members, including uh, doing a lot of the uh, decision making related to campaigns and things. Uh, and uh, now these lawmakers really need to kind of you know stand on their own two feet and make the decisions for themselves, not allow themselves to be controlled uh, in this way. Again, uh, hopefully, some folks are taking to heart some of the lessons of the Madigan years here in Illinois. Also, make sure sure you check out the BGA website for the PolitiFact Illinois Fact Check Service. Uh, and they do a, a great job of looking at the statements of our public officials, evaluating them for honesty. Uh, sometimes you'll find that statements may be technically true, but aren't really telling the whole story. Uh, that's uh, the case this week involving a gubernatorial candidate, David. Well, absolutely. Richard Irvin, the mayor of Aurora, the one who is being backed by billionaire Ken Griffin, uh, he's touted his criminal justice record and said in his first year of office, uh, homicides went down 40 percent. Well, that sounds great. But the numbers are actually they went from seven down to four, seven the year before he was elected, four during the first year he was elected. And if and we pointed out that if you use that measure, because that's just not, not statistically a valid sampling. If by that measure in his second year in office, when homicides went from four up till 12, 
there was a 200% increase. Uh, and we talked to some experts who said, you know, mayors just shouldn't play with those numbers, period, because there are so many factors that lead to homicides. But certainly they shouldn't be playing with those numbers when the numbers are so small and the percentages can be so out of whack. And so we found that this statement by Richard Irvin was mostly false. Uh, it's a reminder, uh, again, to take everything you hear in a campaign season with a grain of salt and uh, check out the underlying assumptions there to make sure you were getting the whole story. Again, the BGA website is a valuable resource for that. So, David, how do people reach you and the Better Government Association the rest of the week? I'm at DGreising at BetterGov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at BetterGov.org. And our website is BetterGov.org. Again, we won't be here next Wednesday morning for full disclosure. Returning in two weeks. Looking forward to talking to you then. David Greising, take care. We will speak soon. You too, Jim. Thank you very much.